Plot twists. We are obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story that takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, super fan of cinema, sport, comedy, and I'm part of the old impression. And throughout this series, brought to you by Now and Sky, I'll be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about the plot twist moments that define their lives and careers. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems you've never heard before. Expect spoilers. On Plot Twist, I love speaking to these familiar faces that we see on our TV screens and just delving into their lives and careers, those plot twist moments that can define their story. And typically, they take the form of actors. But also, a lot of the people that we grow up with on screen are presenters, they're comics, and they're on panel shows. And our guest this week is a brilliant presenter, has been on some of the biggest franchises in TV. It's Laura Whitmore. I cannot wait to speak to her. She's got so many projects on the go, which we're going to talk about. And she seems to be just entering this new phase of her life and career, which is really interesting. Now, most of you will remember her MTV days. Oh, yeah, back in the day. She started that in 2008. She then got her first big gig in 2011. The spin-off show of I'm a Celeb, Get Me Out of Here Now. I was on that for five years and was brilliant. And then one of the biggest reality TV shows, full stop, Love Island. I think she did say herself, admittedly filling in for her friend Caroline Flack to start with. And when Caroline didn't return following her incredibly sad passing, Laura stayed on and steadied the ship, really, in what was a really challenging time and actually oversaw some of the most beloved series in its history. And then last year, she decided to step away from the show. She left on her own terms. And it really speaks to all the different projects that she wants to take on, how she wants to diversify her skill set. She's working on documentaries. She released a short film. She's doing an amazing true crime podcast with her husband, Ian Sterling. And she's got a new daytime TV chat show coming up. She's got a lot on the go. And I was really excited to chat with her. Admittedly, a little bit nervous. As a fellow presenter myself, she's been doing this a long time. She's very good at it. She's very polished. So I may have just, you know, been honest about that up front just to break the ice a little. So here it is, the brilliant Laura Whitmore on Plot Twist. I'm thrilled to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me. I feel like, I don't know, subconsciously if I was manifesting this, but I felt at some point Laura Whitmore was going to be on Plot Twist. Really? Yeah, well, Emily Atak spoke about, uh, very kindly spoke about Plot Twist on your podcast, Castaway, recommending the podcast and... Yeah, so to now have you on is is amazing. I feel, I feel like that's quite deep because I get recommended a podcast that then I get into and then I'm on it. That's manifestation, isn't it? Right yeah, there. there we go. Yeah, It seems to be like the buzzword at the minute. Yeah, yeah. manifest. I'm going to manifest winning the lotto. Yes. <laughs> that, that's how it works. I think so. Um, you know, one question I get asked about doing podcasting, and obviously this is something that you do and you've so many different uh, gigs on top of that, is... Who's your favourite guest? Obviously, now I've got to say Laura Whitmore, of course. But uh, Thank uh, you. But also about sort of, do you ever get starstruck or intimidated? And generally, I don't actually. But I find that probably something like yourself as a presenter it probably would be a little bit more challenging because this is what you do and you're so good at it. Oh, well, thank you. I don't. F- I feel like I'm constantly blagging life and I'm constantly in a situation where at some stage someone will come in, tap me on the shoulder and say, you're not supposed to be here. And I will happily say, OK, <laughs> it, lasted, it lasted a while. Hey, you've got to fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know, do you get this with people you've interviewed? In the moment, they're just a person, you have the mm. chats and sometimes it's on reflection. I go, ah, Absolutely. I've just interviewed yeah. that person and my mind yeah. is blown. But I feel life can be a bit of a whirlwind. My first interview ever, I won a competition to be the face of MTV. Mm. And they sent me to LA to interview Coldplay. I was so out of my wow. I am so out of my depth. But I was so maybe blasé or naive. Just in the moment. In the I say naivety, probably innocent. And it was only afterwards I went, I was not prepared for that mm. at all. Because when you see them in a film or just doing an interview, and like, yeah. oh, they're on Graham Norton now. This well, I went, I saw Coldplay um, at Wembley Stadium at the end of last year. And I like still to say that like, that was my first interview for MTV. And I remember, I think a few months later, the following year, I was working at the Q Awards, um, just interviewing on the red carpet, still quite a newbie, no one really knew. And Coldplay weren't doing interviews, but Chris Martin's publicist was like, oh, he said he'll do an interview because he remembered that they were my first interview. 
And then you're still like, what? Like 11 years that old, 10, 12 years that It's just mad, yeah, those situations. But you must forget sometimes, do you, who you've chatted to? Sometimes. Yeah. 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 It's just... But then you see them, you're like, oh, yeah. But a lot of it was over Zoom, though. So okay. I still feel like, you know, you've got to do it in person. This is nice. This is good. This, this is, is nice. Good. Hello, yeah. real person. Yeah, hello. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> um, it's a pretty interesting time for you at the minute. There's so much going on. Um, yeah. Plot so twists all over the place. Uh, yeah. And the Olivier Awards, was it a few days ago? Yeah, yeah. After, after doing the play, yeah. 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 The last, I was going to say the last year has been full of so much change and, and different opportunities. But I would kind of say the last over 30 years has been that because that's what life is. And I, I've never really been scared of change. I've always mm. tried to welcome it as much as possible because there's some things you can control and some things you can't. And sometimes you get, you know, asked, would you like to audition for this play that I had already seen? And we're talking about manifestation. I remember seeing 222 a few years ago. Two years, Lily two or years Giovanna, ago. Yeah, so I'd seen G and Steph and James Buckley was in it, who's a friend with Ian, so my husband. So he got us tickets. And I remember watching it. And actually, my husband turned to me and he said, you'd be so good in this. And that was that. I was like, it's a great play. It's yeah. a brilliant play and written by Danny Robbins. And then, I swear to God, like a month later or something, I got an email from my agent saying, would I be interested in auditioning? That's creepy. That is, a but also creepy. fun. Yeah, and Stephanie terrifying. Beatrice. She was on plot twist actually. She was just about to do the run. Yeah, and she she had a she had a little because I have a kid and she's a kid and I remember talking to her afterwards. Just that balance of mm. of trying to yeah, how do you find that? do it all? I mean, it's a juggle. <laughs> Everything is a juggle. Life is a juggle. But um, as I said, I've, I've never been scared of taking on a, a challenge or a bit of change. I mean. Diary schedules are all over the place. But I, I welcome that. And, and I remember when it first came out that I was pregnant, I was just constantly bombarded with, so is that you giving up work now? Is that, mm. you know, you're going to take a break for a while? I was almost given maternity cover without me saying I wanted maternity cover or how long I was going to take off. And um, my husband was never asked that question. I think he would gladly have stayed at home more than me. <laughs> He's like, can I, can I be the one who stays at home? So I found that quite hard. So I was always really inspired by people like Steph, mm. um, Beatrice, who, who it's, it's a choice. Some people like to stay at home. For me, I needed to work. And I just had a child and, and worked on two massive shows on Love Island and then was with Emily Atak on Celebrity Juice, which is just such a fun show. And I, I was pregnant and just had a baby in that time. So I just said, do, do you. And that's what I did. Do you think you like the chaos? Yeah. Am I the drama? <laughs> I'm the drama. <laughs> it's been a time of change. I put that in my notes actually, so, so it was a good reference. Um, I'm going to chuck some random questions at you. Oh, please quick do. fire. Oh, um, I'm so bad at some, quick fire. Some of them are tailored to you. Some of them are just a bit out there. Okay. Um, the first one is Murphy's or Guinness. Oh, Guinness. Well, I thought that might be the case, but you know, I just always Guinness. I mean, I'll take what I'm given. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If you're going to buy me a pint of Murphy's, I'll drink the Murphy's. Yeah. But I actually just went for a few Guinnesses yesterday with my old housemate. Nice. Yeah. And we, we also have a Guinness pump in our shed. garden. That's how you do it. That was because that. of lockdown. Okay. You can't go to the pub, you bring the pub to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mentioned putting a drop of black currant. That's okay. Oh, you're okay yeah. with that? Guinness and black, yeah. Guinness and black, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said that's Jamie Dornan. He didn't take too kindly to it. Was, was he not? Well, he told me to f off. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I get very nicely. Well, this happened yesterday when I was out with my old housemate. We he he got the Guinness there ready because I was running a bit late, so it was already there on the counter. And then he just picked it up and it hadn't settled. And he was and I was like, "That's a no no." Yeah, that's. I was that. like, "What you the what it. the f are you doing?" Yeah. Um, I don't mind a little bit of blackcurrant. I'll take that. Okay. But then maybe I've got a sweet tooth. I don't know. Yeah, I'm probably the same. Jamie's sweet enough as he is. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Um, you've spoken a lot about growing up with your mum and how much of a hero she is. Um, but what's the sort of favourite memory? Is there a particular sort of moment that stands out? Um, maybe it's... Yeah, well, for me, I always have this vision. My mother, you know, worked full time. She always wore a suit to work. So I just always remember. Classy. And it was like 80s, 90s shoulder pads. Yeah. So for me, it was just that work ethic. And she kind of did everything. 
And maybe that's why I am the way I am. Yeah, I <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you become your mother. <laughs> as much as we probably fight when we're in the same room. But I'm very impressed by everything she did. And sometimes you don't realise at the time when you look back at the sacrifices she probably made. And I always remember on a Friday night we'd watch a film on the sofa together because I grew up with, it, you know, it was just me and my mom in the house. She'd always fall asleep when we'd be watching a film. And I was always like, oh, like wake up. And I used to try and like open her eyelid <laughs> for her to look. My child is that to me now. And now I just realised she was just tired. She was tired yeah. from from, from working. And yeah, at the time I was like, what's the end of the film? It's the best part. But I think, I think I've definitely taken that work ethic away from her. But that, they're, they're the memories I have of her. And she, she always said, makes me feel a bit sad now. She says she felt bad that she didn't have enough time to play with me. But I never realised that. I always felt she did. So it's something sometimes I think we're, we, beat each, we beat ourselves up as parents mm. about what we can't do. But I mean, I think I came out all right. I it's think. a balance, isn't it? It's a balance. Yeah. yeah. It's funny you say about taking things from your parents. Whenever we have guests arriving at my, my family home, she's like frantically like rushing around, getting everything clean. And now at my place, I'm doing the same. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm turning it to my mom. This is. Well, do you know what I do, which my mom does? Yeah. If we're very lucky, we have a wonderful woman who comes over and cleans for us. And I always clean the house before she comes. <laughs> so it's not too bad. No, and my mom does the same as yeah. well. She's like, you know, mom always like, even if someone's coming over to clean the house and we're moving soon and we have to get someone to come over to clean the house. I'm like, I need to clean the house before the cleaners come to clean the house. <laughs> I am literally my mother. Right, I'll do one more. Um, you've got a true crime podcast. Yes, we do. Wonderful partner, Ian yeah. Sterling. If you were in a witness protection program. Oh, wow. I know this is getting you know, yeah. next level now. If you were in a witness protection program, what would your new name be? And where would you go? Oh, my God, that's so good. Mm, well, I. Well, I shouldn't really say this because if I ever do go into witness protection, then everyone will know what my name is. <laughs> But I have thought about this before. Like, no, the pseudonyms when you um, when you land at the airport. I know, like, sometimes mm-hmm. people have, like, Disney princess names. I have my mom's surname, but my dad's surname is MacGyver. Okay. Do you remember the 80s show, MacGyver? I know of it. With, I the, with the mullet. And, and then he used to, like, get a hairpin and then make a bomb out of it or something. Mm. Or get out of anywhere he is, any tricky situation. So I quite like MacGyver. And maybe just, maybe just, just on its own, just on its own, Ooh. like like Cher or Madonna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Like That's that. my. So now you all know my witness protection. There name, we go. It's so out there. Defeats yeah. the purpose. Well, <laughs> I don't know. People might be two years on and be like, "What was it again?" Uh, the mullet. Um, I also have a mullet. I'll clearly yeah. cut a mullet into my hair, yeah. just to go with the name. Yeah. I'll find a wig. Um, plot twist question. Okay. So let's go to the first main plot twist. Mm-hmm. Could be. Any aspect of your life, your career, mm-hmm. what has been a moment that's been the most unexpected but had probably the most profound impact? I think the biggest moment for me, and there was a few things leading up to this, when I was 18 and I was I have a degree in journalism and I was in my fourth year studying in Dublin. The, the first half of the year I went to Boston and did an exchange, had a lovely nice. time. It was very fun. Was, um, that, was that Harvard? Uh, no, <laughs> it was the other university in Boston, oh, okay. Boston University, nice. which is the fun one. <laughs> Harvard is also lovely. Um, so I was at Boston University and then I came back and I was interning in a newsroom. So it was, you know, quite a serious job. It was very, I was absolutely petrified in there because it's such fast paced and mm. you're kind of this newbie in there. And I enjoyed it, but I found it quite hard. I found news quite hard because news is not necessarily a happy place because bad news always seems to be what we talk about as opposed to good news. And um, I, during that time, uh, I remember coming home one night and I found it really hard. There'd been, I think, a really bad incident uh, on a motorway and a few people had been killed. And I remember seeing that that morning and and in my head going, oh, we've got stuff to talk about for the the lunchtime show. And almost getting a bit of, oh, we've got something to talk about. Desensitised. Yeah, and I had to take a step back and go, oh my God, okay, is this what life is going to be now? And I'm quite an emotional person and I found it really hard to kind of desensitize myself from it and cut you know cut myself away from it. and I think that's what you have to when you're mm. when you're in a newsroom and I have a lot of my friends from that time who do work in newsrooms all, all over the world and have traveled and I think it's incredible what they do but I don't think I can do that so I remember going home that night and turning on telly and there was an ad on MTV for a new MTV presenter and I thought it was a dream 
I, I was like, did I see that or have I imagined that? And it was back when MySpace was a thing. <laughs> and I didn't have a MySpace profile. So I had to get myself a MySpace profile borrow one of the cameras from my university that you could have to kind of practice to right, right. To, to make your, you know, broadcasting yeah. pieces. I remember with like MSM and the webcam you yeah, had. And all like, that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember trying, I remember them teaching us how to make websites on like HTML and like typing in all the coding. Yeah. Not that I use that anymore. But I made this little tape and I put it up online um, and sent it to them and then kind of forgot about it. And I was still in the newsroom. And in that time, I got made permanent. I'd just finished my degree. And then one day, I'll always remember, February 14th, Valentine's Day, I'd just gone through a massive breakup, um, like you know, your first big breakup. And I got a call from MTV saying that they'd seen my stuff and that I was down out of a few thousand people to the final few hundred. And if I'd like to come to London to audition. Oh, my goodness. That's a good. That's a good distraction after a breakup like that. That's a the good first distra- one. Yeah, you're saying it last week is very dramatic. Yeah, it's. Intense. I think it's the worst one. I think you could probably yeah. get divorced after that, and it'll never be as bad as the one yeah, when you're sure. eighteen or one. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or whatever. What age was I? I was probably on twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two at that stage, and um, yeah, I entered it, and I, I lied to my work because I couldn't really have the time off to travel to London to audition. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it, and. I ended up going back and forth for for quite a while until I won that competition and got a contract and moved to London. So plot twist. That is a pretty epic plot twist. Yeah. So you knew that was the direction you wanted to head towards. You had some vision in terms of what you wanted to do, that sort of gig at least. Yeah. I'm also, I kind of open it up to the universe that it gives you these opportunities. Um, I remember having lots of friends in Ireland afterwards saying, oh, you're so lucky to get that job. And I remember asking them, but did you apply? Because no one's gonna, no one's yeah. gonna knock down your door and give you a job. Mm. Well, it's very rare that that happens. Yeah. You have to put yourself out there, and I'm so glad I did. And that's something I, I kind of constantly do, no matter what stage of your career, which is probably why I end up going into other other areas because I've put myself out there. If mm. an opportunity comes up, I go for it. Even though sometimes I'm like, what the hell are you doing, Laura? But yeah, that's it. And then I was like, Mom, I'm gonna go and live in London for a bit for a year. Yeah, and that was 15 years ago. Still here. Still here. What's the sort of the biggest moment where you thought, what am I doing here? This the most profound one in that sense. I remember after my first year at MTV, it was kind of lonely in a weird way mm. because I was working this incredible job. I was interviewing, as I mentioned, Coldplay, P. Diddy, J-Lo, flown all over the place, totally out of my depth. But again, I think there was this innocence that I just went along with it. I was really enthusiastic. I could write my own questions. I, there's a, there was one part of me that, I was like, the reason they've given me this job is because I'm probably <laughs> cheaper than other people <laughs> and I can write my own questions and I would carry the camera. And like, I, didn't, I didn't mind doing any of that stuff. And there was no hair and makeup and styling back then. It was all very, you know, make it up as you go along. Mm. But the opportunities it gave me. and what they big names, right? And what they allowed me to do, there was no way I should have been allowed to go into some of those rooms and interview those people. But I did. And to have that opportunity, I'm so grateful for it. But I remember a year into it, one of my colleagues, because the only people I knew were the people I worked with. So they, to this day, some of them are still my best friends because I didn't really know anyone else. Mm. All my friends were back in Ireland. And um, one of the girls said, that was really brave what you did. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I went, moving to London to, you know, a city, didn't know. a big thing. Didn't really have a lot of money. I don't think I got my first paycheck from MTV for three months. And when you move to a new city, you got to pay like a month's deposit in advance. I had no money. I'd like literally spent all my money getting myself here. And she just said, yeah, that must have been, that was quite scary because it could have gone tits up or you didn't know anyone. And that was when I realised it was scary. But I'd already done it for a year at that stage. She'd already beat yourself up a little. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah. I was like, oh. And I was going into my second year and I'd got a second year contract. So that was when I was like, oh, yeah, shit. I'm glad you didn't say that to me last year. Mm. The two best bits of advice I got actually going into this. Yeah. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. And find something up front to find some common ground if you can. Mm-hmm. When you're meeting JLo and those guys when you're starting out, what was your sort of technique or did you have an approach that you used to take? I always, and again, we talk about the importance of being in a room. I always mm. think when you, when I was doing junkets at that stage, when you kind of go into a room or into a studio, the first five minutes when you're not on camera is really important. That that conversation you have with someone, you can tell what type of mood they're in, what type of day they've had. Pe- people are allowed to have a bad day. I've definitely interviewed people who've had a bad day. You can have a bad day once. Let you off that. Yeah. <laughs> 
after that, I'm not your mate. No, I've had a great day. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember like JLo was lovely and she was so on it. She knew, she knew everyone's name in the room. She knew why everyone was in that room. And she always calls her, I, I say mammy and she says mammy. So that was something. I remember she was talking about her mammy and I said something about my mammy. And we're like, oh, that's the like co- common ground. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's little things that you can, can find and connect. And everyone is a person. Yeah, you do realise that Everyone's very quickly. a person, yeah. Mm. And sometimes a lot of the hype is everyone around them, do you know? And then you just get to them. Some people are assholes, but very few. Anyone you can know? I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm going to ask you who's been an asshole who you've met. I can possibly you say. See? They've all been amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Except yeah. that Laura Whitmore one. <laughs> She's terrible, what a bitch. I love the mantra you have. Um, and actually, I think you used it on I'm a Celeb. My mum and sister used to watch the ITV2 show and loved it. That was one of my favourite jobs. Ever. I must have been a great gig. Yeah. Um, but you used to say, don't be shy, give it a try. Yeah. Right? I'm so happy that you remember that. Um, but that seems to be your sort of mantra for life, really. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, that's deep. It's pretty deep. Yeah. Actually, there's um, a writer I work with, Steve Parry, who we've written together on lots of shows. And we used to say, can we make this a thing? We used to always try and slip it into the script. <laughs> I don't think they liked it in there initially, but then, but then all the camera crew used to go. I go, don't be shy, and everyone would go, give it a try, and it was for the competitions. Yeah, but yeah, that is. I maybe I'll get that tattooed on my forehead or yeah. something. Yeah, maybe not the forehead, but okay, maybe the lower back. Yeah, so nineties. Yeah, but yeah, I think you. I'm I'm totally up for giving everything a try within reason and always try to get better at what you do. Like mm. I don't think you'll ever be in a situation where you've completely mastered it. There's always something more to learn but I'm always up for trying to learn more well, you've got a new chat show coming up I do Is that that's probably stepping into the bit of the unknown isn't it a little bit yeah I, I guess I've been talking for years now you've been talking for a while and I love meeting people I find it so interesting and that was one of the things I learned about you know going down the acting route and it's funny because when I said the plot twist of MTV, I had previously auditioned for an acting role when I was 18, mm-hmm. quite a big one that was in the UK. And I got down to the last few and I didn't get it. And I remember being really disheartened afterwards. But I think if I had got that, I would never have got the MTV job. I feel like everything in life happens that was for a reason. For a reason. But one of the things that kind of connected everything together was I just love meeting people. I love stories. I love storytelling. I love asking people questions. I was never really good at sitting still. This is the most you'll get me still for an amount of time. And I just find people fascinating. So interviewing is just the perfect job. And I've gone from, you know, a newsroom in Ireland to MTV and interviewing all these glamorous people around the world. I did radio for BBC Five Live every Sunday morning. And and now this is kind of maybe that on telly in a way. And I, you know, I don't know what to expect from that. I don't know how it's going to unfold because you don't really know until you have whatever person you're interviewing in the room with you. Mm. You can have hopes of how it's going to go, but you don't know. And I, I find that exciting. Is there a particular theme or setup that we can entice listeners to? Yeah, so it's a Sunday. It'll be on ITV1 and then on ITVX, Sunday mornings. And I haven't seen the set yet, but I'm really pushing for music too. I'm really hoping to promote new music. And what I want to do, what I'm going to try and do, because I came, I mentioned at the start that newsroom situation that I found really hard. I kind of want some good news in there. If That was one thing I did on radio. I always tried to, to talk about something that was maybe not the main news headline or maybe get the news headline and look at it from a different angle as mm. much as possible because... I think we need that. We need some oh good news. Goodness. Oh, my God. Because mm. I do, I find it hard, and especially online, you know, you try to curate what you see as much as possible, but you are bombarded by these you know, horrible images and horrible stories. And that's not, about, you know, we don't want to bury our head in the sand. It's important to tackle these issues. But I always try to tackle issues in a progressive way as much as possible rather than attacking. It's like, how can we change? What can we do? What can we question? So I hope I can do a little bit of that on the show. And just have a laugh and have fun. Yeah. It's Sunday. People will be hungover or they'll be up early with their kids. Getting ready for their roast. Getting ready for their roast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because everything's driven by clicks and by views. But actually... Yeah. Good stories, positive stories. I, I feel like they would generate the same sort of. I hope of so. I hope so. This, I, I know I try to curate my social media pages as much as possible by putting some of that stuff and following those pages, um, and then algorithms change things around, and you're like, mm. I don't want to see that. But um, yeah, I think I think it's important that we we can rather than putting you know as a female in this industry, I felt like I've spent a decade, you know, being compared to other women or how I dress or how I look. Well, I think 
let's celebrate our individuality as much as possible. And mm. same with guests. Every guest is unique in their own way. And I'm going to celebrate that. Do you think things are in a much better place compared to where you started in the, uh, 2008? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know no, if I'm honest. In some ways, do you know what? In some ways, because social media is bigger now and social media can be negative, but I probably have a voice I never would have had 10 years ago. And for that, I'm very grateful. I think there's still a lot of anger in the world. I think we still need to look at the power of tabloids and click, you know, clickbait and and what we see and what we're consuming. Fake I, news, yeah. Yeah, I'll have my mom say something about someone where I'm like, where have you seen that? I said, have you read that like in a tabloid? Went, no, 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 it came up on my Facebook. And I'm like, that is a tabloid, like yeah. that. And I think sometimes the older generations maybe on Facebook or the younger generations on Snapchat or, you know, they, they don't, or TikTok, they're, they're still, you know, being bombarded with a lot of messaging that they don't really understand. And I'm actually working as well as the chat show, I'm working on a documentary series where I'm looking at some of these issues. And, and it is hard because, as I said, I do, I get attached to projects I work on. And, you know, we're looking at some really hard hitting issues that probably affect women more than anyone else but mm. there's definitely something there that affects everyone because it's looking at relationships as well isn't it yeah it's looking at different so it's it's going to be a box set so there's a different episode for different topics and i can't really talk too much about it because it's not completely finished yet we're still filming and there's probably you know a privacy and we have to mm -hmm. be careful because it's very sensitive but you know i i've interviewed people who've had their relatives you know taken from them in really horrific ways and also when that has happened, then how the media has portrayed the victims and victim shaming and things like that. So that has been really difficult. But for me, my purpose of doing that is to give a voice to these people who don't have a voice. And so I'm trying to find, it's so hard sometimes to try to find the good in something, but it's what can you do to make it better. So when my child is older, it'll be a bit of a safer situation because I'm kind of scared. I don't really understand what way we're going mm. or what's happening with the government. And there's so much anger and, and hate to minority groups. And and I find it really scary. So what can I do in my little voice that I have to talk about it? Well, good for you for recognising that. Yeah, I mean, you look I at know. America at the moment, you just think, oh, my goodness. How, I just feel like we're going, I just feel like we're going backwards in, in so many ways. And it, it does terrify me. And has it always been like that? Or is it worse now? But we're just more aware of it. I, I don't, I don't know. Because of social media, I suppose. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. But I, I, all I can do is question it and talk about it. And I do think, you know, the key to change is communication and knowledge and teaching and education. So that's what we kind of go the back to. Community's talking, whether it's online or in schools. Wherever. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I've gone through, I remember when I first started out, I found this industry really exciting, but terrifying. And no one really gives you a manual of how you deal with, you know, when people start writing about you or writing things that aren't true. And, you know, one minute you're the single girl on MTV and you're kind of, you're sexualized in a way that, you don't have control over. And I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, exploring your own sexuality when it's your choice. But then suddenly people take that away from you. Mm. Uh, and then kind of going down, having a child, and then suddenly that becomes a news angle that you can't control and you can't protect them. And I'm still navigating through all of that as much as I can because I don't really, there was no manual. But what I've learned is, you know, I'm really lucky that there are people around me who I know in this industry who I've, you know, grown up with watching or worked with and I can talk to them because we all have similar stories. Even people who aren't in this industry mm. will find things that we can relate and talk about. And I think that has been really important for me to to kind of reach out and go, have you experienced this? How are you feeling? Well, like all, Emily Atak is like a good em example. Emily's a good yeah. friend of mine. As I said, we were both captains on Celebrity Juice and we started out together. Like I remember meeting her like 15 years ago and oh, wow. I think I was on MTV and she was in, in the in-betweeners and it's just... It's It's been really lovely kind of being on that journey with her. And, you know, I remember interviewing musicians when I first, like one of my first, I think in the first few months, I remember interviewing Katy Perry and it was her first, her first live gig in, in London. Same with Ed Sheeran. And also the time of, you know, Amy Winehouse was around Camden. So I got really cautious about how one protects themselves because I'd see all these women being ripped apart differently than the men would be. And... Yeah. I, I really admire women who've come out and spoken about that now because it is really hard. And I spoke to one girl who works in the industry, I won't name her, but I spoke to her last week who had a baby a good few years ago and she's a very high profile model. And she said she lost loads of jobs when it came out that she was pregnant, but she never speaks about it. 
And I, I just found, because that was something I was worried about, how it would affect me. And I think the more and more we kind of talk to each other. Yeah, you need to bring it to the surface. Bring surely. it to the surface. Yeah. And, and that's how we get on with it. So, yeah. It's also the motivation behind the articles, isn't it? Because ultimately it's your name, your mm-hmm. image, yeah. and then it's what what can we fit around that? It's not really a sto- I have like, behind it. I have really stories written irritating. about me before I'm even, like if I'm going to something, I think there'll be a headline already written and they'll just try and find pictures to make it work around that narrative. Yeah. It's it's insane. And it's it's kind of scary because I came from a newsroom and I know the pressure that people are under. I had one of my really good friends work in a newsroom and he was made a doorstep uh, a presenter in Ireland about planning permission. And he got to the door at 6am and he knocked on the door and I think he woke up the whole family and he was like, what the am I doing? What am I? But you get all this pressure. So sometimes I can sympathise with some people going, but you have to take a step back and take responsibility for what you're doing and why you're doing and what's the purpose of, of what you're doing. What's, what is the greater good? Yeah. Um, you mentioned some friends and inspirational people there. Mm. Let's, we'll come to a plot to this person. I want to talk to you about Love Island as well very briefly. Yeah, of course. Um, is there somebody that stands out as an unexpected source of inspiration? We, we like to define them as a plot to this person that, that comes to mind. Yeah, there's been quite a lot. I'm, so, I'm, probably, I'm, I'm like the worst person to answer this. <laughs> and like, I'll give List you like them a out. Answer. List them out. Oh God, there's been so many. Like, you know, I mentioned my mother there and we like mom worked in a very different industry, but she was still, you know, a female in a heavily male dominated. What industry was she in? So she worked for the department of, uh, for the government. For okay. like, she was a, yeah. So very she was different. department of, yeah, <laughs> department of, um, she was in the environment department and then she like worked in different sections. And even to be a working mom at that stage and not married, shock horror, 80s Ireland, so I find her inspiring that she broke boundaries and did things different to what the norm oh, was. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, women I'd watched on, on television growing up in Ireland. This is a fabulous presenter called Miriam O'Callaghan. I remember watching Davina McCall. And I, I loved watching these women at the helm of these big shows and not just being, you know, the woman on the side, which is what they had been. Only it was like a man hosting and then there was a woman. And for me, I remember when I ended up getting offered the job on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here Now. And I took over from the brilliant Caroline Flack, who who also was just incredible to watch and really supportive of me at that time. And I was like the main anchor of my show. I remember it was like hosted by, and then I got to work with like Joe Swash and Rob Beckett and all these brilliant oh, comedians. Fun. Like so much fun. And... And I was like, oh, my God, I'm hosting a live show by myself. And it's from watching and it's from, from all the women before me who've kind of paved the way to allow that and be seen. Yeah. It's really hard to see that you can do something if you haven't seen someone else do it before. And someone has had to be the first person to do that. I suppose you also want to put your own spin on it, right? Oh, always. Yeah. But as you, as, you know, we spoke there beforehand, you know, the, the advice that you were given for interviewing people is just like be yourself. Ultimately, yeah. Because no one else can be that. Yeah. So no one can compare you to be like someone else because all you can be is yourself. So you're never going to be as good as that person at being that person because you're you. And no one else is ever going to be as good as being you as you are. Like it's common sense, but we sometimes forget that. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if I put on a front, it would yeah, that, was, yeah, that would drop very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> You'd find out very quickly. Um, you, you sort of mentioned there about doing things on, on your own terms. And then leaving Love Island, that yeah. was kind of a prime example of that. Now well, that we're quite a few months on, yeah. my jam has now taken over. Yeah. Time to reflect. Are you happy about that sort of stepping away? And it's it's a, it was a, the whole thing. The last three years have been a blur in that you know I went from I was doing my BBC Five Live show and I was kind of going down this more journalistic way, and then I I was also doing some entertainment shows. I had done Survival of the Fittest, and then Love Island came up, and it was. It was a plot twist that was not expected and nor did I want it to happen in the way that it did. Mm. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure around that time because Caroline had stepped down. And what I assumed was going to happen was what happened with the jungle when Holly filled in for Ant and then he came back the following year. And I knew Caroline needed some time away and she knew that and we had spoken. And I remember getting offered the role and I knew that she was very supportive because I'd taken over from her on The Jungle. But I also had to talk to Ian about it because he worked on the show and I didn't really, it was his territory. Even though, really strangely, me and Ian almost worked together because he almost got the job after Rob Beckett on The Jungle. So oh, really? We, we could have worked together wow. in a different setting. It's, there's been a few things like that that could have happened. Were you together at that point? Or? No, no, I didn't know okay. him, no. And maybe if we'd worked on that show, we'd never would have ended up together. Do you know, if you meet people you at know, different, right? different times. Different people, yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so you end up in this situation on this massive show that gets a lot of attention, but that it's not your show because you're also just stepping in for someone. So you kind of, it's trying to get that balance and be mm. respectful as, as much as possible. And then, you know, the worst thing that could possibly happen happened within that time. And I, I guess I turned into survival mode and that's what it was. And I don't think I'll ever fully comprehend what happened. And I'm still probably processing that. And then after that, it was lockdown and this thing called COVID happened. And we all got locked away and the... You know, I was asked to do the show again, but then it didn't happen again till the following year because mm. of everything. And then I, I had a baby plot twist. <laughs> it's like, so there's I, been a few of them. There's been a few of them. And then you're trying to process that. And I still wanted to work. And I had all this pressure of, do, you know, I've been offered this job. I've been told, I, I said I was going to do it and I'm going to do it to the best I can. And then I remember I used to fly out and I was flying back and forth every week. I used to fly to Spain, come back, isolate for three days and then do after sun on a Sunday. Oh and then goodness. I'd fly out with a baby who I was breastfeeding and then come back and isolate. And I look back now going, what the fuck, Laura? How did you do that? <laughs> but I did it because I knew I could and I also wanted to do it the way I could as much as possible. You and must have been exhausted. Yeah, I was very tired. Yeah. But I also had the support of my mother with me that whole time. Um, but then also because my husband was working on that show, I never he had to be based in one place. It'd be easier mm -hmm. if we weren't both working on that show. And even the, the following year, so because I did it three series, you still had to be two metres away from people. And I'm like, I like being near people. I, I found that difficult. And also you have to be respectful of the show existed before me. So, I would, you know, I didn't want to be like, this is how I want to do it. I, I know I would like to have done that, but I, I couldn't. And I did, I found that quite difficult. I think in other interviews recently, you kind of alluded to that. What what sort of things would would, would you change if you could? Well, I guess I, I had no control over, it's a, it's a format that works. And you'll know if I'm watching it every year, it's a format that works. So there's not really much change around that. I couldn't really interact with, like I want to chat to people, but when you go in there, you can't. And I found that difficult to do. And I guess the script, I had no control over scripting and things like that. So... Yeah, I, I think as I'm getting older, I definitely want to work on things where I can probably... And also, I love that show. I love watching that show. And I think, you know, when you work on something... You can't enjoy it the same way. You see it from a different way, sure. yeah. And I was like, I just want to watch the show. And I would have loved if... I know there was talk at one point about After Sun being in the same country, so I wouldn't have to fly back and forth every week. But unfortunately, something to do with wires under the ground... It wouldn't work. Oh, wow. There was, no, it actually went down to technical things like that because it was a conversation. So you, just, you just never think of those things, would you? No. I, I wouldn't. It was something to yeah. do with, like, yeah, because it's live and the type of show that it was. And then bring, me flying back and forth was better than bringing guests over back and forth, mm. even though we did that for The Jungle. Because <laughs> I was talking about it with my producer before and we were just saying that whole stint for you, obviously, the takeover, everything you had to process as part of that, and then continuing afterwards and the back and forth, not even knowing about the flights yeah. back and forth. Yeah. It's just that, like constant pressure. It was, yeah, it was quite exhausting. And then the press intrusion around that time, I think when you're linked again, the clickbait, I'd never been followed like that to that, you know, extremity of, of you know, people outside my house. I had my baby with me. Everywhere I'd go, there'd be pictures. So much so that I ended up having to get legal help which is quite exhausting and expensive in itself. And and I had good people around me. And I didn't know what my rights were in that time. I think I know a little bit more. But I think only now, as you said, like it's probably time to process like everything that happened in that three years. I feel on your behalf you can like breathe now. That's how <laughs> I do feel lighter. I do feel lighter. Um but you know, I do love that show. It was a great show to to be part of. But I could never probably have done it the way that I wanted to have done it, and also try to be respectful, keep it the way that it was. And yeah. you like to try new projects anyway. So now you've got that chance to kind of explore, do this documentary, yeah. do this chat show, and yeah. come on, plot twist. It's, it's weird. I guess because it's two, it's twice a year now. That was one thing I was worried about because it was twice a year. Then it became once a year. Then it was twice again. So it's like that. It is a lot of a lot of your life. Um, do you feel like for the viewer, it's a bit too much, maybe with two in a year. I would say no comment. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> has that happened with shows beforehand? Potentially. Yeah, I always liked, what I love about The Jungle is it was once a year. And I think when Big Brother initially came and they added more. It's, it's like a celebrity version. It's, and, it's, it's, you know, and it's hard for the Islanders because I guess they don't get as much maybe attention. For me, like Ekansu was the epitome of what an Islander winner is and Davide. And I was so lucky to work on, on that series. And... And actually, the three series I worked on, I've, I've had some great Islanders. There's right. been some iconic ones. 
I love that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about another project you're doing. Yeah. There's so many projects. I, I love this. Your true crime podcast. Oh, yeah. That you're doing with your wonderful partner. Yeah. Ian. Is there a particular... Because I think you both have got different perspectives, right? <laughs> so he, Just a bit. Yeah. You like the psychology and the mindset. He likes the backstory and yeah. probably complement each other in that sense. It's a terrible part of trying to watch a movie at home, though, because he <laughs> wants to watch the horrors. <laughs> and I'm just like, do you want to watch this like psychological thriller? So, But this, I think yeah. in this setting, it probably works. It kind of works. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. likes the gore and the details. What I'm more about, so tell me about their childhood. Why did they do that? Right, yeah. right. Is there a particular story that um, you could tell listeners in Tyson that they may have not listened to so far that yeah. has been particularly, not gruesome, but quite surprising for you, perhaps? Oh, so there was one, I ended up bringing a few Irish ones in there. There's one of this, about this missing postman. To this day, they've never found him. But the whole town, they believe, knows who did it. And basically his bike was found and it was the day after Christmas. And they've never found his body to this day. And it's a place in, called Stradbally in Ireland. And it's only when you kind of go back the timeline, the people that have seen him, someone was seen moving a bike. But then what happened was another police force from a different county had to come involved because they thought people knew within the police force there. And the more you dig and dig and dig, you realise there's so much more to this story. Mm -hmm. To this day, they've never discovered where his body is. And everyone who was alive, because it was like the early 1900s, is now dead. So no one knows anymore. Oh, so it was over 100 years ago? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I found that fascinating because I'm from Ireland and I didn't know that story. But then there's other great ones too where I, I love, because we call Partners in Crime, we do a lot about partners who uh, organise murders. Um, we're not condoning murders at all, but I do find the, the reasoning why people do what they do. And one is called The Real Life Thelma and Louise, about these two women who murdered their husbands. Ian was a bit petrified of that. Um, <laughs> but to this day, they're so loyal, neither of them has ever given any information on, on the, the other. other. While other stories we've done, you'd be surprised if you take them in different rooms, how they break down oh, yeah. and they blame the other person. Sure. So I find it fascinating. Most of these people, though, if you go back to their childhood, Ian will hate that I'm doing this. You, something will have happened to them. Not saying that there's a reason or that there's an excuse of what they do. But I'm like, if we kind of look back at, is there a way to stop things like this happening again? If you kind of go back and this happened to this person when they were a mm. child, why do they end up being the way they are? There's the vampire killers. That was our first episode ever based in Germany where the this couple and actually one of them ended up getting real life fangs. But both, what? yeah, real life fangs. Okay. God, yeah, you can go to Turkey and get your teeth done. You can get fangs done as well when you're there. I know the, the veneers and everything. Yeah. Jeez. But, okay. but like each one is so different. So you, you told me to pick one. I just find all of them are just so fascinating. And it's real Even life. Even just listening to you now, I'm so. Sort of, it's real yeah. life. Like you can't make up this. Yeah. Sometimes you look yeah. at it and you're like, we did this other story. Tell me to shut up at some point. No, keep about, going. <laughs> about these, um, it's based in Miami, about these bodybuilders in the 90s who kidnapped uh, one of their clients who they knew had a lot of money. And they were trying to get him to sign documents so they'd get all his money. They ended up like kidnapping him for like weeks and weeks and weeks. He was a bit of, he was a little bit of an alleged criminal himself. So oh, there so was, he had a bit there of was lots of dodgy dealings. But anyway, they tried to kill him a few times. A few times, like they set his car on fire they crashed his car they drove over him and he never died they thought he was dead and then he turned up in a the hospital they never killed him and it was like how is if, if you saw that in a film and there is a film based on it you would both there's no way this is real yeah you just dismiss it sure and then there was another guy oh my god there was another guy <laughs> in New York where they had a life assurance on him and they kept trying to kill him and they put glass in his food they laced his alcohol with rat poison and he never died he was Irish hardcore stomach wow oh yeah but like real life is insane <laughs> It's also the bodybuilders, like that first conversation of we're going to do this. Yeah. How does that come about? Or the postman, somebody knows yeah. the truth. Yeah. Well, somebody did know the truth. Someone, you know, some, some, yeah. the time frame that's passed. Well, but like still. anything that happens on all these unsolved mysteries, somebody knows something. Mm. And I'm, we have these brilliant um, followers called Our Living Legends who email us and they help us sometimes. They're like, did you know this fact? And there was one guy, Pedro in Brazil, who like one of the greatest criminals can you say a great criminal he ended up he did all these crimes and then he actually was killed this year and one of our living legends told us that because we didn't know that wow so we got quite a community it's so different do you have to then fact check it just make sure they're just not sending you false information yeah, just for yeah. shits and gigs yeah we yeah. do that's Ian's job he fact checks <laughs> everything <laughs> 
Oh, it must be such a fun gig. It's fun. It's fun. I hope we get to do more because we, we've loved it so much. And yeah, we were like number one in true crime and we're just, it's just really fun. Yeah. And Even I, just listening just, to you, I, I want to know more. I want it's, to know more. And it's mainly me and Ian fighting about things as well and our dog getting involved. Talking of you and Ian, when did you actually, so you said you could have had the job on I'm a Celeb together. Yeah. When did you, fast forward a bit, when did you actually meet? We're not too sure. Oh, really? <laughs> we think, <laughs> we say the BAFTAs. That sounds classy. But then it turns out we were on the same panel show in 2012. So I thought it was 2016 we met. That's where I, I thought we met. That's not when we met because there's video footage of us on the same show in 2012. It's a panel show. It was called Fake Reaction. Matt Edmondson hosted it. I was on one team and he was on the other. And have you ever You don't seen... recall that? I do now. Yeah. But Ian said I didn't really talk to him much. Oh, just dismissed him. But he was on the other panel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, the opposition. You know, he says yeah. he remembers. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's it's hard to pinpoint. I don't know. I think because we are, we've been working. And you must the have same... done so many gigs like that where you're just kind of, you know, different shows. You know. Don't, yeah, Ian, just whatever. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to defend you. Don't say that. Um, I don't know if he remembered either. But yeah, there's so many times when we could have worked on, on the same show and and didn't. Mm. Maybe we have been, maybe we crossed paths again we just didn't realise. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. The universe trying to force us together for better or worse. Um, I'm going to do it. I've never done this on Plot Twist. Okay. It's something a little bit different. I, I, sometimes I've done it with friends but usually the, the content is a little bit more yeah, risky, shall we say. Okay. Uh, just to try and trip them up. But word association. Yeah. So I'm going to throw a word at you and I want to okay. get you just your instant reaction. <gasps> okay. it, you, do, I, but, do I give a word back? Yeah, or, give a word back. We, okay, okay. Yeah. Some of it yeah, some of it is tailored to you and some of it is just a bit random. This so is just... quite telling, though. I always think that like, whatever words you put in... It's like, what it's kind like of person what is she? Yeah. yeah, it's like when you walked in, you said, oh, you know, reading the room and... Yeah, yeah I was like, a good, day. good person, good, per- good day. Oh, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, good energy. Okay. Um, Theatre. Happy. Oh. Dancing Queen. Abba. Davina. McCall. <laughs> Ian, <laughs> Ian Sterling. Hubs. London. Opportunity. Dublin. Fun. I love it. <laughs> Never that's, done that plot twist before. That's telling. Yeah. Because I do, I'm very thankful for London for the opportunities it's given me because I came here for a year. and That was your mindset. You that was my that. mindset. Mm. And I, I entered that MTV competition purely to get an email address for work experience because I, all my best friends were like doctors and um, studi- well, studying uh, medicine and, and things like that and pharmaceuticals and I was like in journalism, finding the newsroom quite hard, but I really enjoyed the curiosity and the questioning and meeting people. But I was like, I don't know if this is for me right now. And London gave me this opportunity and I've been really lucky that I actually have not stopped working for 15 years. But I do miss home. Yeah, of course. It'll yeah. always be home, right? Yeah, it'll yeah. always be home. On the last note, sort of, you've done all these different projects that we've discovered throughout the interview. Mm. Is there something else down the line that you'd like to test yourself with? Is it a different kind of project that you think actually at some point in this London experience yeah. or worldwide, yeah. I'd like to try and you know, give a go? I 100% believe there will be because that's what happens. Whether I know what it is or not, I'm very open to things coming my way. But um, I love writing and I love, uh, as I get older, you know, you... You kind of spend, I mentioned like when I was 18, one of the first acting roles I almost got. And I feel like you spend a lot of your life waiting for someone else to book you or to pick you. I did a show called Pick Me MTV about, you know, people picking me to be the presenter. And I quite like the idea of taking a bit more control back. I love writing. I wrote my first book Mm. two years ago. I wrote a short film that I released, did quite well in like film festivals and things like that. I quite like making something myself. So maybe if I could bring something together maybe from all the different worlds that I'm in. So from, you know, the journalistic side of writing, but then maybe bringing it to maybe a drama or a comedy or an acting role somehow, even if it's for someone else. I just would like to create. I quite enjoy. Yeah, I can see you in a serious drama. I, I quite, quite enjoy. Yeah. yeah. What would I do? What would I say? I feel like a courtroom drama. Yeah. It was you! Yeah. <laughs> he did it! I wish you well. I'm sorry, I'm so obsessed with Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was nuts. I'm so obsessed. Yeah. And the fact that she just uh, took her dollar and just walked off, whispered something in his ear. She missed half a day of skiing, the poor woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I find it fascinating because it was such a, in, only because of who she is is why, but like, I find America so mad that you can have all those cameras in the courtroom. Mm, yeah. It feels very intrusive. And then yeah. how they talked about what she was wearing. Like, it's it's insane. Did I follow her? Yeah. 
well, she got something out of it. Yeah. It's a bit like Amber Heard and Johnny Depp as well. Like the yeah. whole case there. But even then, that was too interrogating diff- and, you know. But I just, I find it, I don't know, I find sometimes a bit uncomfortable when you get the whole world looking at that because maybe that belongs in the courtroom with those people making that decision rather yeah. than other people prejudging before you know what the result is. I, I can only imagine the pressure of that. But, um, yeah, it's, but I'm, that's, this is why I do the true crime podcast because I just feel like real life is insane. It is. So, and I think everything you do, even any television show that you watch, I've just watched Daisy Jones and Six, which, um, I read the book, um, which is brilliant. Um, I actually prefer the book, but everyone always prefers the book. But I, I, I love the music in it. But that's kind of based around Fleetwood Mac, I think, in that kind of era. So everything is kind of based on real life. Because yeah, all these iconic TV characters, that's, it's because somebody has seen somebody. Writers like yourself, for example, could yeah. see that and think, right, that's going to be my next project. Well, like Succession is the Murdochs, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. What a great series, yeah. by the way. Oh, my God. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet. It's just, well, just started see yeah. the last series, isn't it? So, yeah, but I, ha- I I haven't caught up to watch oh, the new okay. series. Oh, okay. Oh, you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah I need. Yeah. I miss lockdown for telly watching. Yeah, that was the best. Oh, God, it was good. It was good. Laura, it's been a pleasure. Love so having I've you on. I've waffled on for so long. You haven't. Long. I've loved I'm it. I'm so sorry. I've loved it. It's been great. Thank and you so much. It's like your week off. It is my week off, but it was, you know, chance to chat with you. That was like great. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you so much. Big, big thank you to Laura Whitmore. Wasn't she lovely? You have this perception beforehand. Is somebody going to be how you imagine them to be? She was absolutely that and more. Emotional, open, thoughtful, witty, bold. And a plot twist was, was pretty epic, wasn't it? I mean, getting cast as an MTV host, being flown out to LA and then just casually interviewing Coldplay. You know, you hadn't done anything like that before and being thrust into the, the deep end. But I think that's the sort of thing that she thrives upon. All these different challenges she's taken on in her career, whether it's moving across into theatre, as she did last year, like all these different projects. I think she embraces that. There is an energy to her which wants to delve into the unknown and explore who she is as part of that. And I think when you think of Laura Whitmore, there are those sides where you picture Love Island, you picture hosting I'm a Celeb, but actually there is this whole other side to her, the journalist and being in the newsroom And I suppose now that she is away from those big pressure cooker shows, she can actually explore those passions. So she can look at documentaries and do her amazing true crime podcast and even write new series. So there's plenty more to come. And if you want to see more of Laura Whitmore, obviously she's got this new daytime TV show coming up on ITV on Sunday mornings and a box set of documentary series that are coming out later this year. I'm looking forward to that. And talking of TV, casually, Laura mentioned she's watching Succession. We are in the last series of this unbelievable show. And week by week, it's landing on now and Sky. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. Brian Cox and the gang are just phenomenal. It's going to be a blast. Well, big thank you again to Laura Whitmore. She was fantastic. It's given me good energy for the rest of the day. So I'm going to take that away, find some good stories, and I might do a little bit of manifesting while I'm at it as well. Until next time, ciao. 